Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the yarn truck podcast. We're Erica and Dave, a husband and wife mobile yarn shop owners, bringing you tales from the road, adventures in fiber arts with a little bit of the rest of life thrown in. This is episode 80, recorded the first week of June 2019. Today's segments include What You're Working On, Witty Knits, Colorful Puddles, and Tales from the Truck, as well as Where's Nomads for next week. Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. So, Erica, what have you been working on this week? This week, um, I have been, it doesn't feel like I've been doing a whole lot. Um, I continue to work on the same um, one or two projects, which makes me not a particularly interesting uh, podcast content for me to talk about. Um, (laughs) You could tell them how wonderfully they're progressing. (laughs) So I'm continuing to work on the alpaca lace um, center-out rectangular shawl out of our um, next hand-dyed yarn to be released. Um, I'm I'm over halfway done with it, uh, but it's still uh, it's it's gotten to the point where the rows are very long, and so progress feels very slow. Um, it's a I'm <clears throat> so since it is center out, that means all of the stitches for all four sides of this piece are on my needles at the same time. Um, so the rows really are quite long, um, and I am in the second lace section. Um, so it starts with a slightly more basic lace in the center, and then it switches to a different. Um, lace and cable section in the middle Um, and I'm probably halfway through that section Um, and uh, it's a four row repeat and it takes I mean it just feels like it takes hours to get the four the four (laughs) rows done to to have completed another um, another section on it Um, but it it will be fun it looks Um, it looks beautiful you're doing a great job and people are loving it on our social media as well it is coming out well. Um, I really do like it a lot, and I really like working with the yarn. Um, but I've just, like, the super excitement of starting a new project is gone with it since I've been working on it for a while. Um, but I know I'm still a long way from finish, so I'm kind of in that slog in the middle. Can I say three hits in a row? You've liked all three of the yarn bases and dye jobs, so it's must true. be doing something right. It's <laughs> almost like I had some input in what yarn bases we chose. <laughs> Um, we do have a fourth uh, yarn that he hasn't had a chance to dye up yet. That is 100% silk, which I will also love. Um, I might I, get to work on some of that this week. We'll see if I have time. I started and finished um, some arm knitting projects, which I'll be talking about in Witty Knits. Um, but I taught a class and I needed to do a brush up uh, for my own sake. And, um, so I got some more or some arm knitting practice and then I got super enthusiastic and did something crazy that involved putting 21 skeins of yarn together all into one gigantic mega ball of yarn, um, to use for an arm knitting project, which was fun. Um, I also, I don't remember if I have talked about this on the podcast in the past, but I am undertaking a rather ambitious, um, hand washing every single uh, hand wash only piece of knitwear or crochet wear that our family owns, um, washing them all and hanging them to dry 
and then folding them up and putting them away with um, like cedar sachets uh, so that they are stored properly over the hot season. Um, I have never done this before in my life and now I know why. <laughs> um, this project has been like a month. Um, I have a lot. There's a lot of knitwear in this household. Um, a lot is an understatement. <laughs> yes. I, I mean those big giant blue Ikea bags. I, I don't know. There's like three of them full. Um, and it's been really humid here so the washing it is not that big a deal it's that dry it's the drying time that it takes um, so there's only one place in the house that you can hang things that my kids will not get into them um, and that's so I have one like small drying rack uh, to dry these things on I mean in the humidity and in the bathroom where it can live it things just are not drying quickly um, but that's okay I'm I, I have one uh, one small bag left to do um, and then I should be done so I really am almost finished with this project but it has taken a very long time uh, but I feel good about doing it I'm also mending things um, as I uncover so when you wash things especially things that you don't wash very often um, if there was a small hole um, when you when you wash them with that agitation um, it the hole gets way bigger um, so I have mended um, and repaired a couple of small um, small holes just one or two strands got caught um, and many of these pieces that I'm washing are, I mean, 10 years old or, or more. Um, so I tend to uh, hoard my knitwear and or crochet wear and keep it forever. Um, and so a lot of a lot of the well-loved pieces have been around for many years. So the fact that they get one one or two small little snags in them, um, I don't think is too too bad. Um, but all of the sweaters are done. All of the shawls are done. Um, now I'm kind of on to like mittens and hats and things like that. Um, and I am struggling a little bit for hand knit sweaters that the children have outgrown. Um, I don't really want to keep them forever and ever. Um, but I don't have anybody with kids littler than mine that really will will get it. Um, because when you're a new mom and have itty bitty kids, like you, the last thing you need is somebody giving you something that they think is precious that you really don't have enough time and energy in your life to deal with. So I don't want to give someone something that would end up being more work for them. Um, uh, so I've kind of they've kind of gone into a separate little holding area that I'm not sure exactly what to do with. Um, but that is most of what I have been working on. How about you, Dave? Well, we talked about on the last episode, I was about to head down and finish dying off um, the immortalizing yarn skeins. These were our top Kickstarter backers who got to have a skein of yarn dyed according to a picture. So I'm going to be talking about my kind of process for that. Um, those are all finished. I've been packing up all of our Kickstarter uh, kits. The patterns came in. Um, Everything is skeined up, wound, ready to go. Um, I've just got a couple of address labels left to stick on and we'll be taking those all to the post office. So they're about one or two days uh, later than we expected them to go out, but that's mainly because the patterns didn't arrive for forever. <laughs> yeah, printing, it's, they're just kidding a lot of the time when they give you their estimated when it will arrive. Well, often the estimated dates is a range and when it's something that's not uh, important that you want really fast, it comes the next day, and when it's something that uh, you kind of like sooner, it comes towards the end of that run. So, never mind. It's 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 knitting. It's a relaxing hobby. Being one or two days late, I'm sure, is not gonna not gonna break anyone's heart. Um, 
So I'm looking forward to sending that big bag of kits out. We've got about 50 uh, sock kits that need to go out. Um, and then we'll be releasing those um, next week. So listen in the next podcast about that. Um, I've been doing a lot of tidying up in studios. Um, so after the um, aftermath of me taking my class with Matt, uh, for my painting, I've been cleaning out and reorganizing my studio just because it had got a bit of a disaster. So I'm still working on that um, in between actually doing some painting. Um, I'm working on uh, a few troops for a, um, a Song of Ice and Fire game for somebody. Um, so I'm working on a few models for them. And then in the dye studio, just clearing up down there, um, I've got to finish a couple of handouts for the um, the classes I'm going to be teaching at Hoosier Hills Fiber Festival this Friday. Um, so I'm teaching three classes there. I just need to finish my handouts and get my materials ready for that. So I'm clearing up, uh, getting ready for that, taking down um, kind of my drying racks and stuff and moving things aside, getting the extra skeins of sock yarn wound up, ready to go on the truck. And just kind of tidying up and making my life seem a little bit, a little bit more sane. Um, and then I am itching to get on to dyeing um, the last couple of colours that the alpaca um, isn't due out until July when Erica's finished that piece, but I want to get it done and out of the way um, so I can then start in earnest on our uh, raw silk lace weight, which we're going to be using a dip and speckle style on, which look pretty cool. So looking forward to that. Yep, and I'm excited to see the uh, silk uh the silk yarn that he is dying as well he dyed all three of the yarn bases for the kickstarter uh kits uh so basically six months worth of worth of dyeing he dyed one skein of each color um, because he needed the photos to get uh, people's color request, what colors they wanted theirs in. So I have known what these colors were going to look like for a really long time. Um, and I was very excited about them when they first came out, but it's kind of fun to see new things coming down the line. So I'm excited for him to do something new that I haven't seen yet. I've got some really cool color notes that Erica hasn't seen. So some fun ideas coming and some brand new colors that I've ordered from um from my various dye suppliers that I want to try out on on these to get some really cool effects. So, yeah, I'm hoping for some really shocking new colours to show Erica. Really make her eyes bug out of her head. <laughs> I like I like bright colours. Um, so yeah, and when we cooked, uh, we've had a good cooking week. Um, there's not been that many truck runs, um, and there's been a lot of kind of tidying and admin and, and Kickstarter uh, stuff at the house. Um, so we've had a little bit of while to cook, so we did a Mexican feast, which is probably the best thing, um, including some fantastic tamales. I did the... Yep, uh, made from scratch tamales where we make the masa dough and, and all the fillings. Uh, we put... Erica did the dough and I did the filling. Yep. So... Um, and we had gotten, it's farmer's market season, um, so at the last uh, farmer's market that I went to, I got some locally raised uh, stew beef, and we put that in the slow cooker with all the spices and chipotles and stuff, and it made our kitchen smell amazing all day long, um, and it was really good. <laughs> I used, I, um, because it was a stew meat, and we wanted it to be really uh, moist and tender and flavorful for the um, tamales, I basically put in, um, it was about a pound of uh, grass-fed beef. Um, and then I added, um, we had some pineapple juice left over from when we, um, gave the kids some pineapple. Um, so I added that as that, um, that helps to kind of break down, um, connected tissue a little bit, break down proteins, make things more tender. Is that the acidity or like the special pineapple enzyme? A bit of both, 50-50. Okay. 
I know you can't put pineapple in milk or it ends really badly because there's yeah. some sort of enzyme that does <laughs> something weird. It's got a protein, isn't it, that does something uh, weird. Yeah, makes weird things happen. Um, about half a tin of um, chipotle is in adobo sauce. Um, some of my favorite uh, bourbon barrel smoked paprika. Um, some regular paprika, um, some uh, coriander seed, a bunch of salt, and um, a wheat beer. Um, and then just that, let that simmer away for about eight hours until it was basically falling apart. And then we used that and the condensed sauce um, in the tomatoes and American made the dough. Steamed them up and shared them with the in-laws. Yep, it was very good. And the, the kids liked them too. Okay, so on that note... What have you been knitting this week? So, wittily knitting away, I have been using no no knitting needles, but my arms instead. Uh, so if like you're, a knitting ninja. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not familiar with arm knitting, this is basically using gigantic thick yarn, like the thickest yarn that you've ever seen, like commercial yarn, and then like five strands of that held together. Um, the just crazy, crazy thick yarn. Um, and you truly, you, you do not use knitting needles at all. You just use your two arms as if they were a pair of knitting needles. Um, this does lead to some sort of technical changes as you are, you obviously, your arms don't detach. Um, so you can't turn your work around. Um, but the concept of what you're doing, um, is you're just using your arms as knitting needles. Um, so I was teaching a class. Uh, this month we're kind of doing a lot of classes. It, it sort of happened organically and not entirely on purpose. Um, but I taught a class at Recraft in the Fountain Square area of downtown Indianapolis. Um, that is, I'm, I'm probably wax poetic about how, about how great Recraft is a lot. Um, but you can bring any crafting supplies that you no longer need or want or have space for and donate them. And then she sells them at 50 to 75% off retail um, so that your trash can become someone else's treasure. Well, we had scheduled a truck stop uh, to bring the truck to her um, and her customers there um, and kind of ask her if there were or offered to do a class. She does a lot of classes. And so I, I wanted to teach one while I was there, if that would be something that would be of interest to her customers. Um, and I sort of asked her what, what did she have that she would love to use a lot of in a class? Um, and her answer was, uh, basically homespun yarn. <laughs> um, so that's like thick and thin textured, uh, cheap and cheerful, uh, stuff that I don't know if it's a red heart based yarn, a lion, I think it's a lion brand. brand, um, but it is very readily available and she gets a lot of it she donated. a bunch of the red heart super saver as well, I believe, yes. right? Um, and so she said it would be fantastic if, uh, I will supply the materials. Um, if you can come up with a way to have me, uh, use up and find somebody to love like 200 skeins of this stuff, that would be awesome. <laughs> um, so that is exactly what I did. Um, in the class, we held 10 strands of this yarn together. So people chose 10 balls of the um, of the yarn. She had just giant, giant buckets of it pulled out um, and people would select any 10 they wanted. And so some people picked all the textured stuff. Some people picked all the like the smooth, just regular uh, standard non-textured acrylic yarns. And most people picked a blend of both of those. Um, and some people chose all pastels. Some people chose 
bright and crazy colors. Um, some people picked a little bit more muted palettes. It was fun to see everybody's color selection. So when you chose your 10 balls of yarn, you then found the ends of all 10 of them and held all 10 strands of yarn together like it is one strand of yarn. Um, organizing your yarn is definitely the part that takes the most time in an arm knitting project. Um, keeping track of 10 balls of yarn takes some practice and some getting used to, um, but everybody did a great job. Um, and we, it, the class was scheduled for to be an hour and we did get through all of the kind of the material in an hour. Basically, once you've cast on and done your first row, I, you know all there is to know um, about arm knitting and then it's just a matter of finishing it. Um, but we ended up, I tend to run a little bit over in my classes and this class I ran very over. So we, everybody actually finished their blanket um, after about, it was about a two and a half hour start to finish. Um, pick out your colors, organize all your, all your yarn, learn to cast on, learn to do your rows and completely finish a blanket. Um, start to finish in two and a half hours. And once you've done it once, you could probably do it in closer to an hour, um, especially if you if you're fast about choosing your your colors. Um, so it is a, a very fast um, project to do. It does create a very distinct looking texture um, because although you're using ten strands of yarn held together, that is still not as thick as the gauge you would expect for your arms. So you end up with a very loosely knit um, piece of fabric that has gigantic holes all, all through it. Not holes that unravel, just the stitches are very, very loose, which makes it a very um, flexible and stretchy piece of fabric, which is kind of nice as it means it can be as long or as narrow or as tall or as wide as you want it to be. You just keep pulling until it's the shape you want it. And how could you make that 10 skeins of yarn look like more? one solid strand. Um, so I, because I can't live well enough alone, um, in a preparation for teaching this class, and if you're interested in how to actually arm knit, there's a million billion YouTube tutorials on it, um, so do feel free to have a look at one of those. I probably will teach this class again. I really liked doing it. It was a lot of fun, um, but I don't have it on the schedule right now, so YouTube in the meantime. Um, you never know. We might make a video and put it up at some point. <laughs> Um, I'd have to get another 10 strands of that yarn. Um, but so I had brought home a couple of skeins of that yarn. Um, Recraft was nice enough to, to send me home with some materials for me to play with. So I arm knitted, um, just a, a test square, like an eight by eight inch square, um, using, having all 10 strands just held next to each other. But then I thought, what would happen if I basically chain crocheted all of these strands together? Um, so you and I, I used my fingers. I used to call it finger crocheting when I was little. Um, before I really knew how to crochet, I would start at the end of a ball of yarn and finger crochet. So just make a really long chain all the way through the entire ball of yarn. And then I would start at the beginning and do the same thing. And so I would make just really thick like ropes of yarn um, because I wanted to be doing something, but I didn't really know how to crochet. This was when I was like eight. Um, 
And so that is what I did. Um, and I took, I ended up using three strands of yarn and I just, I chained. So you could do it with a crochet hook or you can just reach through a loop and pull through with your fingers, which is what I did. Um, and that turns the three strands that I had into nine strands. When you chain it, you go kind of back and forth and back. Um, so you're turning three strands, they kind of lay next to each other three times. So you create a nine strand um, thickness. And so I, I did that and chained through the entire uh, skeins of yarn to create that nine thickness strand and, and wound it into a ball. And that was much easier to actually do the arm knitting with because you were not trying to untangle all 10 strands and <laughs> keep them feeding evenly and smoothly through. But the act of, of crocheting that chain definitely takes much longer than, um, than, than working the blanket. Um, but once I'd played with it a little bit with the yarn that she sent with me and I decided that I liked the look of it and doing it, um, I looked at my own stash and I have a large amount of yarn uh, from my early days of spinning that I was either gifted the fiber um, or I like I, I bought a, a fleece from a, a milk sheep that wasn't really meant to be worked as a as a hand spinning fleece. So basically I had some early days spinning that I didn't do a fantastic job on the spinning and the fleece was not a great quality. So it was itchy and scratchy and not necessarily a color that I would choose. They were all sort of shades of natural shades of browns. Um, and I had 21 skeins of this stuff. Um, Some of, of those were commercial yarns as well, right? Uh, one of them was, I'm not sure exactly where it came from. I did not spin it. Um, but then I had two more um, that I had spun from two different fleeces. Um, they were all a little rough around the edges. Um, they were all 100% wool, um, but they were all a little on the scratchy side, um, and they were all in the kind of shades of, of medium brown. Um, and so I took four strands, and I did that finger crochet thing, all 21 skeins. And this ball of yarn weighs more than one of my children. Weighs <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> about what five pounds, two and a half kilos. Yeah, it's a it is a very heavy, very large. Um, I did put it up on our social medias. Um, you can find links to all of our social medias on our website nomadyarnshop.com. We are very active on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and uh, we do do an email that goes along with each podcast episode. So I'll make sure to put the picture of the comically large size ball of yarn um, on that as well. And it probably took me four hours to, to chain all of these together. And since I was holding four strands together, um, there it's the equivalent of 12 strands thick. So it is a very thick yarn, but I really like the texture and like the color because although they're all medium browns, there's definitely some variation um, in the color. And I just, I like it. Um, I'm not sure if I will be arm knitting it into a blanket um, or I have a bit of a vision to make one of those like big poofy um, like footstools, like just a I would call it a poof. It's been a lot of votes for the footstool. Yeah, Heather, I haven't, I didn't go back and, and look. So I might have to, I might have to do that instead. Um, but the, the takeaway is if you have a bunch of yarn that you're not in love with and you can't see yourself ever using, but you can't quite bear to part with, arm knitting. 
put it all together and try using it all at once and uh, see see where you get to. See if you like it. And Dave, I hear you have been splashing in some colorful puddles. Yeah, more, more colors of puddles than normal. Um, so this last dyeing um, experiment, I guess, not necessarily experiment, I've done kind of similar things to this before, um, dyeing experience perhaps, um, was for our Immortalized in Yarn Kickstarter backers who were the top level, um, got an eight ounce skein of our sock yarn, specially dyed for them in a colorway um, that I would design based on the photograph they sent me. So we um, got a huge variety of different photographs from our backers. Um, there were a lot of sunsets, very popular. Um, there were a few backyards. There was one cat um, that was a little bit of a challenge, but I really enjoyed that one as I tried out a new uh, dye technique with it. Um, there were some that um, were of landscapes, a couple of uh, family photos, um, a couple of wedding shots. So I really wanted to kind of come up with a, a technique and an, an, an idea um, that I could kind of tell you about of how I really think about turning that photograph into a colorway. So the first thing um, when I look at the photograph is the first thing that stands out to you. What are the main colors? Um, and do those make, are those main colors going to work together on a skein of yarn? Most of the time that's a yes. Sometimes not so much. Um, so when you're dyeing a skein, you really want to make sure that the finished product is going to be beautiful and wearable and usable, but also it doesn't end up muddy. So what you have to be very careful of is not using too many uh, complementary colors. So colors that are across from each other on the color wheel um, or colors that are kind of caddy corner to each other on the color wheel um, all together in the same skein um, without uh, some white space or another color kind of in between to fade them together. That can be difficult to pick with some photographs. Um, and sometimes it's better to kind of get the idea and theme of the photograph rather than necessarily getting the colors exactly correct. Um, the other thing is, is looking at the image, is it, does it give you a distinctive patination um, or um, kind of some kind of structural element in the photograph that you want to really make it stand out in the yarn? So one of my favorite examples was a, a birch forest in the fall. So the birch trees themselves are white. Um, the, the trunks of them are white, very kind of very vertical, um, straight kind of blocks of space. Then they have uh, basically black spots and mottling on them. And then the birch leaves themselves are very soft uh, yellows and oranges. And then there is some other background on the photograph. There's a little bit of sky, there's a little bit of ground. Those elements in a lot of photographs, if it's if there's clearly a subject, ignore them. It's the best thing to do. Otherwise, you're going to try and cloud everything with too much um, detail. So basically, you don't want to use, you don't want to pull out every single color in the picture and just throw them on the on the yard. Yeah, it's... It, it, and unless it's a unless it's a picture that's got a very distinct few colors on there, it really is a good idea to kind of cherry pick which colors you're going to use that most represent the picture to you, um, and are going to be 
the least muddy. Um, and sometimes those colors, you might want to kind of tweak them very slightly to the ones you actually see to make sure they're going to go to, together well. So you don't want to make, um, if there's one really, really dark tone um, against the light or the other way around, one really, really light tone against the dark, um, or there's um, kind of colors that are just too far away on the color wheel, you'll want to make sure that you kind of edge those a little bit closer to each other um, in tone um, or um, in hue, just like a nudge, a little bit of artistic license to make sure the, the skein you actually produce is pretty um, rather than something that necessarily has every single color in the photographs. Um, so for the for the birch forest, that's that's kind of good for for everything. Um, so the kind of golden leaves in the background, I want to add a bit more depth to them. Birch leaves are um, in the fall, or one of the kind of colors that are, they're the most kind of monotone of of fall leaves. They're very kind of golden yellow. Don't have a lot else to them. Um, so what I really want to do is make sure that I. I had some depth to the to the yellows and the oranges, so I added actually a little touch of darker orange and a little tiny touch of a brown um, into that section, and then I wanted to make it look like the birch forest. Um, so I actually ended up dyeing the skein in half and half. One end of the skein I dyed in that kettle yellow orange with a touch of brown and a touch of slightly darker orange to represent the leaves, and then the other end I left white and then speckled with the black. Um, so when you wind the skein up, it really does look like kind of a twining birch trees. Um, and do you think about how those will, those will knit up as well? Like what will that look like knit into a scarf? So it's gonna give you a very interesting effect where you're going to end up with kind of color pools um, of um, the white, then the orange, the white, and the orange. They, they're gonna be fairly long uh, repeats because it's, it's half the skein. Um, so it's going to be a fairly long kind of repeat variegate. I've seen some cool things where people will um, say knit a long scarf and they'll make sure their stitch count is correct. They use about half of um, kind of one of the repeats across a row. Um, and so you'll end up with kind of um, a scarf that's almost split in half, which can look really cool. So you can use the yarn then to, to inspire a project. Um, but that that's an example of it you have kind of all the structural elements um, that I wanted to show, the, the really contrast between the two elements and some artistic license and the different colors. And then that also presents kind of a little bit of a challenge when you have a large white area next to a really bright color. Um, it presents some challenge in the way we set it. So these, um, all of these uh, single scans, most of them I set in the microwave, um, which is a fast way of doing um, a setting. But you want to make sure that um, your two halves don't get kind of onto each other. So what I ended up doing is actually um, using a masking technique where I put half of the skein in one bag and then the whole skein then in a second bag and then sealed it. So that, that one bag that was nearly sealed and had what the white end in wasn't getting um, the orange kind of flowing over to, to it from the other. Um, from the other end. So you get that really kind of stark contrast with just a tiny bit of fade in the middle. Um, I had some other really interesting uh, photographs. Well, Erica's cousin was one of our backers and she sent me a pigeon. Um, <laughs> They're really pretty. They have really the pretty like, sheen it's not on their neck. I would ever have expected someone to send, 
But just your classic kind of city pigeon, it's had a lot of colors. There's teal, there's purple, you have the beautiful kind of soft gray. Um, and that represented a really nice color palette. Um, those colors will really kind of fade and play into each other and actually produce a really beautiful kind of uh, dual tone yarn with a lot of depth to it. So, so some that of the most be... unusual um, photographs can actually give you some, some of the most beautiful yarns. So that one would be one where you really did use most of the colors that were in there because they all would work next to each other. Yes, um, anything where those kind of fade into each other anyway. Um, and then the like the feathers all next to each other have that soft, blendy kind of a quality. I get what you're... See, he does all of this stuff in his <laughs> secret little lab, and I don't, I don't see or talk to him about it all that much. Um, I did have one uh, great uh, request for a, a wedding colorway, which I found very interesting, um, where it was, um, it was actually two photographs um, from the backer's wedding day. Um, one photograph was her with her father's black truck, and then the other photograph was her with her husband in his blue suit. And then both of the photographs, she was carrying her bouquet, which is, was a kind of pale, um, kind of apricot and kind of peach-colored roses. So what I did with that yarn is actually produced an interesting kind of speckle, where I took the skein, left it mostly white, then did a very heavy speckle on one end with the black, a very heavy speckle on the other end with the kind of royal blue color and then over the whole skein did a very light speckle color coloring of um the kind of peach and golden yellow and then steamed that to set to make sure that the speckles stayed distinct um so that ended up as a really interesting colorway and i'd love to see how that one works up so i'm going to be sending a note with a lot of these saying oh, i'd love to see how this color works out." <laughs> <laughs> and we love show and tell whether dave dyed the yarn or not i always like seeing what yarn grows up to be um and then one final one i wanted to talk about one of our backers just sent me a note that says Die whatever the heck you want. So I did. <laughs> um, so I wanted to do something unusual. Um, and I actually, uh, I named every one of these colorways something related to the photograph. And this one I just called Bravery. Um, and I ended up dyeing this um, with some of my favorite tones. Um, but also I wanted to make it really look something unusual, a skein you don't see many places. Um, so I picked um, a technique. This one I'm going to be playing with um, and another yarn line I have idea in the future. So. Keep an eye on this. This is one of the techniques I'm going to also be teaching at Hoosier Hills this weekend. Um, I call it Bright Spot, um, where I use a masking technique to keep um, one uh, part of the yarn very, very brightly colored um, and pure, and then kind of fade that in with a neutral. So this one I did kind of two bright spots, um, one in a, a deep uh, magenta and fuchsia color, and then the other one in a bright aqua um, and turquoise. And then the neutral color that connected those two um, was a um, silver gray with a touch of gunmetal to it. So <laughs> gunmetal is his gun favorite. is one of my favorite colors. Um, I really like the silver gray as well. I'm a, I'm a fan of using grays with really bright colors. Um, so that one, um, it, it almost kind of looked kind of like a space age Tron color. Um, it was, it's got some very bright interest to it. Um, 
but also the colors, although there's two brights and then the, the silver gray, um, I kept them fairly tonally similar. Um, so it, it doesn't kind of smack you in the eye too much. Um, I diluted those really bright colors a touch, um, although I did make sure that they retained pure at those two ends. Um, so I really enjoyed that one. Um, if you give me creative um, control over something- <laughs> There will be gunmetal in it. <laughs> <laughs> there may be gunmetal. There's, there's an eighty percent chance there's going to be gunmetal. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was just kind of a quick guide of uh, how I turn your photographs into um, into a yarn colorway, and this may be something we uh, end up offering um, in the future through our website. So we've talked about it when I have a bit more time in the Dye Studio, um, offering this on a couple of bases. So stay tuned if you want to have a go at this. Um, we may well have it in the fall. Yep. So Eric is going to do a quick Tales from the Yarn Truck, and then we're going to tell you we're going to, where we're going to be next week. Uh, so we have been out and about. We've had a light two weeks on the truck. Um, part of it was we worked our tails off for like six months um, getting everything ready, um, and we just needed a little bit of a break. And then part of it was Dave was out all last week on a class, and so I needed to be home with kiddos. Um, but uh, we have been around a little bit, and so I wanted to, to chat just for a few minutes. Uh, so we did a, another stop in Danville um, that is not all that far from where we're based in, in Plainfield, um, and we parked at Courthouse Grounds, which is a coffee shop and they do have a full dinner menu and um, a bar space as well there and it's right next to the Royal Theater which is a tiny little uh, movie theater that's been around forever and ever um, and so we uh, I did my first experiment with having saying the craft doctor was in um, which was basically bring a project that you need help with um, and I will help you <laughs> Um, and that was kind of a fun thing. Um, I had uh, I had brought along some mending projects and end weaving in projects. That was what I was going to talk about if anybody showed up and wanted to chat but didn't necessarily have a specific thing to talk about. Um, and so I answered some questions and did some um, did some showing of of how I do the the mending and the end weaving in. Um, I also tricked myself and I didn't bring any other projects so that I had to do those while I was on the truck uh, because those are two things that I don't necessarily gravitate towards doing um, when left to my own devices. Um, and then I got a great question about doing a temperature scarf. So one of those where you knit a row every day um, uh, with a color depending on what the the like high for the day was. So like reds on really hot days and oranges and yellows and blues and greens. Um, just every uh, there's a million billion different ways to, to do this. Um, but she asked a very good question about what do you do with all the ends because you will have two ends per day and there's 365 days in a year. So that's a lot of ends. Um, and so we chatted a little bit about kind of some different methods of you could, could you join the yarn um, as you go? Uh, and what are the, the sort of, uh, there's Russian joins and what's uh, what felt splicing, 
Um, the magic knot um, is an option. And we also talked about uh, the potential of leaving them as fringe um, and what a fringe along the long side, the long edge of a scarf would look like. Um, and I kind of gave the recommendation to, uh, to look up some images of that because there are absolutely scarves that do that. Um, and so anytime you've kind of got an idea in your head, but you're not sure um, if you would like it or not, see if you can find a picture of somebody else has done it um, to see if you like theirs. Uh, so that was nice um, to kind of think through something that I hadn't necessarily thought all that much about um, because the idea of weaving in that mini ends means there is no way in the world I would ever do a temperature scarf, um, but I have seen some that are very beautiful. Um, we also then did our uh, recraft stop in Indianapolis and we taught, I taught the arm knitting class um, and that was on Friday night. Um, and then Saturday, which happened to be yesterday, um, I went to Fortville. I've never been to Fortville before. Um, it is on the northeast side of Indianapolis, and it was a very cute little small town. Um, it was their like annual summer parade, um, so there was a great turnout. The streets were lined um, with uh, with all of Fortville, I think. There were a lot of people um, <laughs> and all the floats and the main draw seemed to be uh, seeing all of the adorable children dressed up and there was lots of candy flying. Um, and the we were at the Old Mill Flea Market, which is immediately across the street from an old mill um, and also like four feet from a train tracks where trains go really fast. <laughs> Um, going by. Um, it is a big train town. There's a lot of uh, murals and art and things to do with the train and um, and a lot of like the history of the of the trains through Fortville. Um, and the so, truck was parked on an old uh, truckway scale, right? Truck scale, yep. Um, so it was parked crookedly because I, that's how I roll. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was a fun thing. The other vendors were very, very nice. Um, they were kind enough to point me in the direction of where I could walk to get coffee. Um, because once I parked the truck and, and uh, set it all up, I can't drive off to get myself some coffee. Um, so I stopped at an awesome donut and coffee shop down the road. Um, there was a vendor who was uh, doing painting, some really beautiful, really interesting. Um, she had a whole line of things burning, like cars burning and wagons burning, and um, it was it was neat. Um, it was much more artistic than I would have thought that that was possible. Um, she also painted a lot of pictures of avocados, um, and I have no ability to paint or draw, and I really admire those who do, so it was neat to watch her. She had her, um, her palette and her um, everything all set up, and she was doing paintings there, um, and it was just neat to see. Um, and there was somebody who had done some really neat macrame. Uh, there were several people selling plants. Um, there were some more of your like and you stereo. Can't have no plants. I'm proud of you. I know. Dave told me I wasn't allowed to buy more plants because every time I left the house, I brought home 20 plants. And this year, we swore that we were going to keep the garden more manageable. And we um, still have plants to plant. And we still have plants to plant. Um, and then there were the their more the more standard flea market um, uh, kind of affairs as well, um, uh, pots and jugs and and uh, sewn crafts and things like that. Um, and then the uh, place that runs it 
is a sewing um, like studio and class teaching uh, place there right in, in Fortville. Um, I think she does mainly children's classes, but she certainly does teach adults as well. And it was a neat space. You could tell there's a lot of creativity that, that goes into that. And she's very passionate about um, keeping people excited about sewing, um, whether they're just learning or, or tackling a new skill. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. It was a good trip. It was just under an hour drive, so it wasn't a bad drive. Um, and I got to go a place that I have never been before. So high marks for Fortville. Okay. Taxman Brewing's up there as well, which is a, um, I've had their beer before, but I've never been to their brewery. Yep. I did not get to go. I did pull down, I did pull down the back of the truck and take a 20 minute lunch break and walk into the, onto the main drag and get, uh, burritos from the Mexican place. They were good. Okay, so where are we going to be this week? Well, um, so depending on when this podcast comes out, uh, Monday the 3rd of June, Eric is going to be in Terre Haute, um, and both there and at Greencastle, she's going to be teaching a Pico cast-on and bind-off class, um, and that's a free class. On Wednesday, June the 5th, uh, she'll be in Greencastle, our, our regular stops there. Myers Market, 12 to 2. On the square, three to five. Wasser Brewing, five thirty to eight. Um, then on Friday and Saturday, seventh and eighth, um, we will be at Hoosier Hills Fiber Festival in Franklin. Um, that's a two-day festival. It's one of the uh, largest ones around here. Um, so definitely go and check that out. Um, Hoosier Hills is one of my favorite festivals as well, just because it's, it's fun. They have animals and they have music. Um, there's a couple of good food vendors. They do um, some great food from the local alpaca club there as well. Um, the kids come around and uh, take orders from the vendors, um, which is really sweet. So that's that's a good fun show. Um, I will be teaching three different classes on Friday. I believe there's still spaces on all of them. Um, so you can go and uh, register for those now, uh, last minute if you want to. Um, and you should, because I think his dyeing uh, techniques are really neat this year. I, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> um, then Monday, uh, the 10th of June, um, Erica will be at Sky Zone in Plainfield um, for their ladies' night. Um, so they're having a VIP ladies' night. Um, there's a there's a small price for the ticket there, but I, that includes uh, kind of jumping in the Sky Zone and they, they're doing beverages and stuff too there as well. We've started taking our kids for the like toddler time at Sky Zone. It's just a giant trampoline park, and it's fun. It's I, really fun. I recommend it. Yeah, go to go to the ladies' night. That's wear fun. wear knee braces if you're old like me. Um, Wednesday the 12th we're going to be in Plainfield again at the farmer's market um, that's 4 to 7 p.m. at um, the friends meeting house right opposite where the old store was I just learned that we were going to that I knew you'd apply and I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know it was official um, and Saturday June 15th uh, we will be at the uh, Indiana Handicraft Exchange at the Harrison Center um, that is a big event um, it's free um, there's a lot of uh, craft vendors there. There's, a, there's uh, food trucks. They have music, um, some outside uh, kind of space too. Um, and there's also a mobile nail salon is going there as well if you want to get your nails done while you're out. So um, that should be a really fun event. That's always super busy. We've been there as visitors in the past. So we're looking forward to that one. So come see us the next couple of weeks. Yep. We're on, on the channel. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Ravelry, and our website, knowmyjarchop.com. And remember, in crafting and in life, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.